I don't know um, how many of you enjoy a roller coaster. Uh, maybe almost all of you at one time or another have, have uh, been on a roller coaster. But there is a roller coaster at uh, Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio. Maybe some of you have been there. We used to live up near that. <clears throat> and uh, Cedar Point itself is not like any other place. It has 18 roller coasters. You can spend all day and all night on nothing but roller coasters if you want to. I, I personally really like them. But uh, upon completion uh, in, in the year 2000, the Millennium Force, that's the name of a roller coaster, broke six world records and was the world's first giga coaster, a, a term coined by Cedar Point to represent a roller coaster that exceeds 300 feet in height and, and complete a full circuit. It was briefly the tallest and fastest in the world until Steel Dragon 2000 opened uh, later uh, that same year. That's a little bit of, of an image. Just give you the, a hint of, of, of what it's like. My son and I uh, waited three hours when it first opened for about a three-minute thrill. And I'll tell you, it was worth it. <laughs> it really was. But um, it goes on to say uh, the coaster has a top speed of 93 miles per hour. Uh, since its debut, uh, the Millennium Forest has been voted the number one steel roller coaster 10 times in Amusement Daily's annual and Golden Ticket awards. It, and its lowest ranking in the poll has only been two. Although, although Millennium Force has been surpassed in height and speed, it remains one of the tallest and fastest in the world. The only place to find these amazing thrill machines is in the roller coaster capital of the world. It's called Cedar Point. This is what this passage is like to me. It's like a roller coaster. It's thrilling. Uh, it's, it, it gives me, and I, I, if I could Im, impart it to you, it gives me an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. Because the words that are spoken here come from God, and no man could ever have said this unless it was revealed to him from God. Here's the outline that looks like a roller coaster, and you can tell me uh, when you think we're at the heart of it. Number one, you can have total confidence in Jesus' second coming. It is more certain than you'll blink your eye. He is coming back. 
you can be absolutely certain that you are a child of God. You don't have to be certain. You can be a child of God and not be certain. But you can be certain. You will be, if you are a child of God, you will be conformed to Jesus Christ. And number four, you will seek after advancing in grace for as long as you live. You can't help it. It's what you want. It's what you desire. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. He rises again. You'll never fall completely. So number one then, you can have total confidence in Jesus a second coming. That's what it says in, 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 in verse 28. It says, little children, it says um, in this term of endearment, it says, little children, abide in him. So when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink back from him. You may not be ashamed, but it's not, it's not like Pastor Sad was talking about last week. It's not the false teachers that say this. It's not the Antichrist teachers. It's not the liars, the deceivers who went out from us because they were not genuine. John is able to say, my little children, that means... I am intimate with you. I, I love you uh, uh, like a father loves his own son or his own daughter. There's a brotherly, sisterly love that's within Christianity like no other love on earth. We rejoice uh, to see our fellow believers. Right now, my heart is so happy. There's a family here from Colombia and they're sitting on that back row right there. And, and I can give thanks to God que yo puedo hablar español para conectar con mis hermanos de Medellín, Colombia. Muy bienvenidos. You are so welcome to be here. They found us on the internet. And, and, and I don't even know them. But, but, but they love the Lord. And they're here with us. So, so what is the key then to the confidence? And, and it says it right there. It says that we must abide in him. And what did he say? What did John say earlier? He said, what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, abides in you, then you will abide. You will remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. You must abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must keep on believing it, keep on being amazed by it, keep on loving the God who planned it, 
Keep on enjoying the Holy Spirit that awakened you, that regenerated you, that lives inside of you. You must keep on doing that. You must praise Jesus forever for having accomplished it. He purchased it. He bought it for us. He did everything that was necessary for us to be saved. And the Holy Spirit irresistibly applies it to us. That's why we have it. He could have died on the cross and we still wouldn't believe it. We had to be convinced. We had to be born again. And that's what the Holy Spirit did. He made us new creatures. He made us alive in Christ. And so we have to continue to talk and pray to God. We need to continue in his word. I told the guys yesterday, we had our, our um, men's breakfast, and it was really precious. I'm so thankful uh, uh, for the guys that organized it, like, like uh, Patrick Rowe and, 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 and uh, Justin Hout. And just, it, it was just it was wonderful. I told them something very simple, two things that we've got to do. If you're going to abide in Christ, you've got to get into the Word. The, the Word is God-breathed. It's God's breath on the page. If you could feel it, it would feel warm. If he was just a man, he might have a little bit of spit. That's, that's how much it's his Word. You've got to have it. And he wrote a whole prayer book. It's called the Psalms. And you can read the Psalms. I gave him the formula for doing that. And we talked about prayer then. To pray constantly. To never stop praying. To use the word of God as fuel for prayer. These are all things that cause you to abide in Christ. I'll make a bold statement. I don't think a day should pass. Don't, don't be hurt by this. Don't let a day pass. Well, you have not heard God from his word. And if you do, maybe you have. I don't, I don't know if I ever have. I need it so badly. <laughs> Repent of it and tell God about it. And, 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 and get back on track. Start new all the time. You can do that. Every day is a new day. Start again. And see, what will be the result then? What will be the result according to the passage if we abide in him with prayer and the word and the gospel and the amazement? What will be the result? It's that so when he appears, not if he appears. We already said that. More certain than you'll wake up tomorrow morning. Christ is coming back. And you will see him. Every eye will see him. The dead will, will be raised. And those on, 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 on the earth will meet him in the air. He's coming. More than the next beat of your heart, Jesus is coming. More certain. It's more certain than anything else you can name. You can't name one thing more certain than that Jesus is coming back. And don't say... If I drop this penny, it's going to fall to the floor. That's not as certain. God can suspend gravity and make it float. But Jesus is coming back. There's nothing you can name. 
It's, it's more certain than for. And, and if you're an unbeliever, if you're not yet a believer, this is what we want for you. This is all we want for you if you not to be ashamed, for not to shrink back when you meet Jesus, not to want to hide from him, not to run from him. We want you to receive him and embrace him and enjoy him and be blessed by him. That's what we want. That's what we really want for you. Because what will happen? Matthew 22, 12 says, friend. That's when Jesus told this parable about the wedding feast. He said, friend, how did you get in here without the wedding clothes? Man was speechless. Why was he speechless? Because the wedding clothes are provided and you didn't take the wedding clothes. What do the wedding clothes represent? I tell you, spiritually, it is the righteousness of Christ. You need to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. If you don't have the righteousness of Christ, it's because you have not asked for it. You don't want it. You're like this man who is speechless because he's got no excuse. The wedding garments were provided for him, and he did not take them. He walked by the counter and said, I'm fine just the way I am. That's what the world says. I'm fine just the way I am. I don't need anything else. I'm going to heaven when I die. That's, that's the delusion of our depraved minds. That's how we are. Revelation 6, uh, uh, 6, 15 and following says, Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and every free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of, of the mountains. This is Christ coming back. And they said to, they said to the mountains and, and the rocks, Fall on us. And hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb because the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able and who is able to stand? Will you be ready to face Jesus? You got to get Jesus now. Get him today. Get him before you leave here. Close with Christ. He is so precious and so willing, that's why he came. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but through the Son, the world might be saved. That's his purpose. It's his purpose for you. That's why he sent his Son. So, you can have total confidence in the second coming of Christ. That's our first happy, distinguishing point. Get ready, be ready. Close with Christ. Embrace the Savior. He's, he's, he's your only hope. Number two, then, you can be absolutely certain that you are a child of God. You can be. You don't have to be. It's highly advantageous to be. This is the beginning of the roller coaster climb. It's, 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 it's going up. 
If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. There's a conditional that is followed by a certainty, a sure, firm knowledge that God is altogether completely righteous. He's a beautiful, happy, magnificent, joyous, joy-giving God. That's who he is. And he's altogether righteous. He is righteousness personified. His moral character is perfect. There's no flaw in him. There's no stain. There's no defect in God whatsoever. In verse 1 of this same chapter, we see the coming king, Jesus, is identical to his father. He is Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He's exactly what Pastor Thad mentioned he, he, he is. He's on the majesty of high. He is the exact representation of his nature. Jesus Christ is perfect. That's, why, that's how he can be our Savior. That's what we need. But you notice that it, it says, for if you know he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteous has been born of him. The righteousness that God begets, the righteousness that God gives, is not for righteous thinking only. It's not for righteous talkers or inventors. It's, it's not righteous philosophers or teachers. That's, that's what we heard last week. They are antichrists. It's not those who determine what is right in their own eyes, like in the book of Judges. It's not just Reformed Baptists either. It's not just Calvinists. It's Pentecostals too. It's everyone. It's everyone who loves Jesus and has the Holy Spirit within them. I can tell you just a brief story real fast. I met a guy, the only guy that I would go out to lunch with uh, 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 when I worked at Texas Gas. He was a salesman. He was selling a piece of equipment that we just had to have. It, 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 it sold itself. He was a, a, a Romanian refugee, and we're having lunch together. And I must have expressed some anxiety that I wasn't oh, oh, aware of concerning my job. And he said, you're not trusting in the Lord. You're not trusting in the Lord. I tell you a story. I work for NCR, and they laid pink slips on all of our desks. All of a sudden, a pink slip, in case you know what that is, that's, that's your fired, and there may be a check with it too. And people were turning over their desks. They were throwing chairs out the windows. They, they, were, they were doing all kinds of carrying, all kinds of carrying. He goes into his boss's office, and he goes, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God has something else for me. God bless you. Goodbye. He was a Pentecostal. And I'm a Reformed Baptist Calvinist. I said, wow, what a rebuke. 
I've never forgotten it. I haven't worked there for 22 years. Two decades have, have gone by, and that, that man blessed my life. You've got blessings like that, too. You'd be surprised how a babe in Christ can bless you, and you think you're so mature. Ah, God is so good. He's so good. But you see, uh, what, what he says then, he says that um, the real difference in John 1.11, it says he came to his own and to his own people, and they did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood. Judson can be saved. Hannah can be saved. Bobby and Charlie can be saved. My son Samuel can be saved. It's not blood. It's not blood. That's what that... Others say it is blood. It's not. Who were not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's the difference. That's how you're absolutely certain because you've been born of God. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Look at the blessing. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. You commandment keepers, you obedient Christians to Jesus Christ, you have a manifestation of the Father's love in your life. He promises it. And if you don't feel it, don't know it, don't have it, ask him for it and keep his commandments. Because you delight in him, in them. That's what you want to do. That's, that's the nature of us. That's, that's the new nature that we have. Well, we're going to come. I can't do it. But maybe the Spirit will do it. I can't bring you to the top of this magnificent roller coaster where the adrenaline rush is. You know what it is. It's, it's our next heading. The ESV says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. That's who we are. The Christian Standard Bible says, see what great love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. There's nothing higher than that. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing more precious than that. There's nothing more undeserved than that. That we, his enemies, these rebels, these traitors, these depraved creatures... Not everybody is a child of God. Some people say that. Oh, we're all children of God. No, you're not. Not unless you're born again. 
not unless you keep his commandments, not, not unless you've received Christ, not unless the Holy Spirit indwells you. You're not a child of God. You're a creature of God. You can become a child of God if, if you'll return to him and embrace his son. This is so much the original literal translation of the first part of this verse is where it says how great and what kind is literally translated of what country. It's as though the Father's love is so otherworldly. It's not from this earth. It's from another country, another place. The biblical scholar Plummer says uh, that the world always implies astonishment. It is not merely given or shown uh, to us, but it's lavished upon us. You see, it's one thing. It's a glorious thing. It's a happy thing to go before the judge, to, to, to go before a judge, and, and, he, and he says, your debt is paid. You're free. You don't have to go back to jail. You may go. Go. You're free. Here's some money for a lunch. Go have lunch and enjoy yourself. Go. You can go. But what does a father say? What's the invitation to you? He says, come. Come to me. Share my life. Share my grace. Be in my family. Be my child. I'll treat you as a child. I'll give you all I have. I'll give you my one and only son. I'll give you the spirit, the humble Holy Spirit of God to dwell you and dwell in you and produce the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the faithfulness and the self-control that you really want. I'll give you that. That's what a father does. The judge says you may go. The father says you may come. I just, I'm overwhelmed with that's the way God is. My life, my world is yours, he says. Come. Perhaps the best parallel divinely inspired testimony of this insurmountable blessing comes from the Apostle Paul, Galatians 4 and 4 through 7. He says, but what, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. His death, his sufferings, his life was so powerful. It doesn't just bring forgiveness. It doesn't just bring an escape from hell. It brings sonship. It brings daughterhood. It brings you into the family of God. 
And because you are sons, you've got to be convinced of this. God wants to see to it that you understand this. It's so astonishing that we should be sons and daughters of God. He says, because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. I'm going to ask you something, Pastor Mark, because I know how you'll answer it. Is Judson, is Judson equal to your biological daughters? He is, isn't he? My son is equal to my two biological daughters. They will get whatever inheritance I have to give them. And you will do the same thing, won't you, Pastor? Yes, you will. That's the way it is. That's what adoption is. You're brought into the family, and ours is imperfect. His is perfect. Oh, and, and, and Josh. Oh, what about that, Steve? Yeah, the same thing, isn't it? Isn't that right? Yeah, your Haitian son, beautiful boy. Ah, praise God. It's, it's, it's absolutely tremendous. Paul says in Ephesians 1, in verses 11 and 12, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. It's, it's from all eternity. We've been predestined to, to have this inheritance by virtue of our sonship before he ever made us, before we ever did anything good or bad. That's, that's how long-standing it is. That's his purpose. And this is the reason he did it. He says, uh, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we might be the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. His predestinary purpose is glorious. It's worthy of praise, especially from his own people who are the objects, who are the recipients of such a blessing. Then Peter breaks out. Peter just breaks out in worship. He says, blessed be the God of Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're joined to him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded. You are guarded. You're going to make it. You're going to make it all the way to heaven. You're not going to fall. You're not going to utterly fall. 
You're going to make it all the way to the throne of grace where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You're going to see Jesus. You're going to see him with your eyes. What must that be? Gary Lawless can't tell us. Joy Malone can't tell us. Marge Harvin, Dot Hoke. They can't tell us yet, Keith Hoke. Sean and Chad Cotiller, Sean Golly. They, they're, they're there. Lynn Blakeman. Ah, what must it be? We'll find out. John Piper says there'll just be a millisecond where you know you died. And glory. Glory. And it will never stop. Just, just all over the place. Ah, that salvation, he says, is ready to be revealed at the very last, at the last time. Let me read to you a quote that, ju that, 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 that just blessed me if I can find it. Let's see, it's in my notes. Uh, I thought I had it already loaded up and everything, and I just missed it. He... It's it's a it's a it's a Tim Keller quote. It's so wonderful. Let's see. Let me make sure I got that. Get, oh, here it is. I'll get all of them. I found it. You were you praying for me? <laughs> this is a short quote. I just love this. He says, "In Christ, prostitute and king, male." and female, Jew and Gentile, one race and another race, moral and immoral, all sit down as equals, equally sinful and lost, equally accepted and loved. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that right? I'm the worst sinner in this room. I know I am. I'm not, I'm not interviewed everybody here. I'm sitting with you. And he made me a pastor. I can't believe it. Praise his holy name. We got to keep moving. He says kind of just in passing, uh, it's like a parenthetical statement. He says uh, uh, that the reason the world uh, does not know us is because it didn't know him. It, it, it was said of Jesus, John said this in, 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 his, in his gospel in verse 10. He said he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. You say, the one who was sinless, holy, separated from sinners, the miracle worker, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute, who just touching his garment, a woman with a flow of blood was instantly, a power went out, who multiplied the loaves, who raised the the most extreme case, he, there will be a stench. Lazarus, come forth. 
They didn't know him. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Totally incongruent. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're just beginning to experience it a little bit as Americans. But I'm telling you, remember the persecuted church. Christians are viewed as, 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 as those to be hated and hurt and incarcerated and separated and tortured and killed. Godly people, pious children, innocent kids like that. Remember, remember the persecuted church. Well, let's look then. We, we've seen that we've, we can have total confidence in, in, in Christ's second coming. We can be absolutely certain that we are a child of God. Number three, you will be conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will, we will be has not yet appeared. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. There's the already and there's the not yet that constantly comes in, in, into view, or at least with some frequency. You're right now, you know you're a child of God. But also... What, what we will be, we, we've not seen it yet. But we will. It's just, it, it just not yet. So we, we have a view of it. John tells his beloved friends, God's beloved, that we don't know everything. We don't know exactly what that is because it hasn't yet appeared. We don't know. It's not been yet revealed to John for him uh, uh, to be able to say it. But we, we do know something if we don't know everything, okay? We know something. We will, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 8, be at home with the Lord. We know that. That's where our loved ones are. We know that according to uh, Colossians 3, 4, that when, when Christ is your life appears, then you will be with him in glory. We know that. We don't know exactly what that is, but we know that. And we know what at least one of the thieves on the cross said. The other one might have gotten saved. We don't know. The Scripture does not tell us. But the one, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't know what that was, but he got it. He got it that very night. We know of an amazing, more than a rescue, more than freedom from judgment, a complete and total renovation awaits us. A complete and total transformation. We will be changed. We will see him as he is. Not like he was here on earth. Not seen with, with simply physical eyes in his humiliation. Not like that. From his birth, 
forward. He was just a regular, everyday kind of a guy. No one that, that not a head turner, not somebody that, that you would look upon him. That's not how we're going to see him. And not by the eye of faith that we see now. We see a beautiful Savior with the eyes of our faith. We know he is magnificent. He's wonderful. He's altogether lovely, precious, beautiful. He's our Savior. We see him by faith. We can't see him with our eyes, but we know, we know him. We see him at the Lord's table. We see him in the drink and in the bread. We, we behold him. We're so blessed. But it says here, we will see him. We'll see him face to face in his resplendent, magnificent, breathtaking fall on your face. Eternal, eternal, unchangeable glory. That's what we'll do. There's a song that says, will I dance? Maybe you will. I hope you do. I know where I'm going. I'm going down. <laughs> One glance, I'm going down. I can't, I can't guarantee that, but that's, that's what I think I'll do. <clears throat> For now we see in a mirror, according to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Don't know what it is, but we, now we know in part, then I shall know fully. That's what awaits us. That's just as we have been fully known, we'll, uh, we'll know him. Our fourth heading then is, is and our, our, our last heading is, you will seek after advancing in grace as long as you live. You will. The principle is planted within you. You desire to be holy. Maybe it's weak, or maybe it's strong. But everyone, it says, while everyone who has this hope, you got this hope? Well, then you will purify yourself. You will. You will cooperate with God just as He is pure. That's what it says. That's a guarantee. No, it's everyone. It's not just pastors. It's not just deacons. It's not just missionaries. It's not just super Christians. It's not just mature Christians. It's everybody. Everybody. To be pure is to be free from contamination in all of life. That's what you want. That, you're seeking after it now. You can purify yourself, you can change. We can all change. This doesn't have to be the only service that you come to. You can change. You can start coming to the service that precedes this service here. Even if you've never come, or even if you seldom, you can start coming. You can start coming to prayer meetings. Wherever they're announced, you can start going. You can change. He who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. You can do it. You can come to the Lord's table. It's once a month. 
You can come and behold the Savior there with us. You can change. We can change. You can stop lusting after women. You can close your eyes. You can turn, around, turn away. You can move your seat. You can, you can admire the beauty for a split second and never look at it again. You can do that. You can be purified. That's, that's what it says. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, that's what Paul says. Let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. What are the promises? What, what comes right before he says that about perfecting holiness and purifying ourselves? God says this, I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then he says, so then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let's cleanse ourselves from every impurity. Let's purify ourselves. Part of our purification is our responsibility. It's, it's part of what we need to do. It's, 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 it's work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work within you. But work it out. God is in you. Sam Storms is dead right when he reveals his understanding of the relationship of our vision of Christ in, in the Scriptures and how it is tied to our purification and sanctification unto greater holiness. He says, just as the vision of Christ in the future will sanctify us wholly, completely, the vision of Christ in the present, which we find in the Scriptures, sanctifies us now it is our experience of Christ, it's our experience of Christ that sanctifies us, that makes us holy. 1 John 3, 5 says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for this sighting of our Savior and for our holy responsibility to be like him and to purify ourselves. God, we want it. We really do want it. Help us with it, we pray. Make us to be a prayerful, word-centered, gospel-centered, Christ-centered people. Oh, help us come down and dwell in us richly and give us understanding. And draw us to the Lord's table and draw us to prayer meetings. Draw us to uh, discipleship meetings and Sunday school times. Draw us together, God. Bless all those that have traveled from us and bring them home safely. Thank you so much for bringing Pastor Mark and Katie back to us. We praise you and thank you in the glorious name of that Savior who died to make us the children of God. We can never lose it. Praise his glorious name. We pray it in his name. Amen. Stand and respond.